0: Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6. It's your next jazz game. Level 6 has free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. DJ PK, it's time now to bring in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Riley joins us right now. On the Smart Rain guest line, Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion, and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Broncos coming back. The Bruins are coming to town, and what for them is an elimination game. It's a big night of college football Saturday.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm actually really excited about football this weekend.
0: Oh, good. (laughs) Thanks, Riley. Have a good day. We'll talk to you later. (laughs) Oh,
1: sorry. Sorry, I was. I was kind of organizing my next thought. Uh, Look, I think that Bronco coming back to town is. It's a real beginning dynamic. There, there were people that love Bronco. There were people that didn't like Bronco both inside and outside the program. But I think I think what we've known for a long time is that Bronco is a very good coach. And, and the reason why I think Bronco is a fantastic coach is because expectations for his players are always very, very clear. Now, you may love it. You may hate it. You may hate a quest for perfection uh, type T-shirt or some sort of like mantra that is offensive to another team or even even inside you may not like the way that he presents it but there is not one player that played for bronco and i bronco was my defensive coordinator when i was when i was playing at snow college that's how that's how far back that's how old i am now right and he he's just very clear about what it takes to play for him what it takes to to succeed and all those sorts of things, and he's a little stoic in nature. I mean, we did a we did a skit when I was a freshman in college. I was scared to death because all the guys were making me do, you know, an impersonation of Bronco, and he used to wear his Oregon State cleats with his number. And I got the coaches to steal his cleats out of his locker and let me wear it. And, so, and man, I was so nervous about kind of poking fun at Coach Bronco, and he came out. He came out at the end, and he just had like a little smile, just a little tiny smile, and he goes, "Well done, Jensen. Well done." And and that's about all you get out of Bronco, right? Like that's about all you get out of him, you know. And it and it it was, uh, but but man, you talk to a player that played for him, and there's this there's this deep level of respect for him, and I and I anticipate that this is going to be, um, oh, oh, oh. hard-fought game because you know Kalani wants to win this game and you know Bronco wants to win this game. And so it's going to be very, very interesting.
2: Doesn't BYU have to just pulverize these guys so it sends a message to LDS kids? Don't go across the country. Stay right here. (laughs) I mean, i I think in some ways we
1: we overrate like wins and losses as to whether, you know, whether somebody's going to go to a school or not. I mean, every kid has to decide whether it's a good fit. Most LDS kids, if they if if they're really wanting that that BYU experience, they can't they can't get that BYU experience at Virginia. But if it's a really really smart good football player who's who's maybe not all just not not that he's not all in on the religion, but he feels like he's religious and that he can get everything that he wants at both schools. That's, that's the player that you have to worry about. But I think you bring up the word pulverize, and as I've been looking through the stats a little bit, one of the things that stands out to me in this game, and I think you'll see this develop during the game, is that BYU has to run the football very, very effectively, and they have to keep this offense for Virginia off the field Virginia's offense is rated 4th in the country, BYU's defense is 72nd, but I think the one that's the most I think the the statistic that I'm most interested in is is BYU's defense is 113th in the country in third down defense and Virginia's offense is 15th in the country in third down offense, meaning Getting off the field for BYU is a huge deal against this offense. And, man, that statistic right there just makes me really nervous for BYU. And then you've got, you know, you've got this quarterback that threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Then he ran for two touchdowns last week. I mean, this is, is, it has to be easily the most high-powered offense that Broncos ever had.
0: So, is BYU secondary up to the test? Is it even fair to put it on the secondary? Are they going to be dropping eight and trying to clog the lanes? And and uh, Dylan Cauley was explaining to us how that confuses receivers as they try to decide which route they're supposed to be running on a given play because they usually have a couple options. So, how, how does BYU slow down this passing attack?
1: Well, so this is, this is my theory on, on defensive backs, and I've thought this for a long time, and if you – You think about the University of Utah and all the great defense in
0: Yeah, you think about that, PK. I am. Think about that while Yacht calls Riley back. I'm thinking about it. (laughs) What have you come up with so far? I'm still in the process of thinking.
2: So I haven't reached a conclusion. I I don't know how I feel about this particular game. I can look at the stats, yeah, but I don't know what is true in this particular game. I know the stats as they relate it to the other games. What does that mean this game? Not sure yet. Well,
0: Riley, we've been thinking about it. You ordered us to think about it, and then you went away.
1: (laughs) I I actually just lost my train of thought. What did I I say that threw me off? Why did you get hang up on me? I don't even know what's (laughs) going on here. totally confused
2: you
0: going Scott Gerrard on us
1: <laughs> I,
0: I I seriously did I lost my turn of thought oh I thought you were just I thought you were screwing around with us I asked you, know you about, about the the BYU secondary can they handle this is it even fair oh, to put yeah. on the secondary because are they going to be dropping eight
1: got it so my my theory on on defensive backs and slowing people down if you if you think about the University of Utah in the past you think about the different things that go on with 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 defense when you have a great defensive line, you produce great defensive backs. Defensive backs make all kinds of plays when you have a great defensive line. Um, and and the, the point that I would make that, that even proves it even further is I, there was a few defensive backs that played with me at Utah State University that I thought were great defensive backs. They didn't put up great stats, and then they went on into the NFL and played great football for seven, ten years. And I think the biggest difference is when a defensive line can put pressure on a quarterback or when a defensive line can can fluster a quarterback a little bit by only rushing four or only rushing three, and then, then DBs can make plays. Nobody – I don't care who you are. I don't even think Deion Sanders could have done that. Well, maybe Deion Sanders, but throw everybody else out. But nobody can cover a guy for six, seven seconds downfield. Nobody can do that. It's just – it's not even possible and so to me there has to be some sort of hesitation created for this quarterback or some sort of of like man I'm not sure if I should throw this ball and whether that's I mean I kind of feel like BYU's defense has been big into rushing three and dropping eight but I think they've got to mix it up a little they've got to bring some different pressures they've got to do some different man-on-man schemes they've got to do some things to kind of Mix up this quarterback because if you don't, he's just going to sit back there and throw for 404 touchdowns, and that, to me, that does not bode well for BYU. And I'm, I'm really surprised that because if you look at Virginia stats, they're throwing for 400, but they're just, they're rushing for just over 100 a game. I'm surprised that their third down efficiency is so high. That means that they're doing really, really good high percentage passing on first and second down, and that that's how you that's how you get them off the field is. You've got to make good plays on first and second down and not not hang everything on third down.
2: So you have two guys who have BYU experience coaching there. One's coaching now, one coached before. And their styles are a little bit different. As you said, Bronco doesn't necessarily is a warm, fuzzy guy, where Kalani will just hug you and practically uh, you know, kiss you on the lips as far as that goes. I mean, he's so warm and receptive and open. What does a player look for in a head coach when it comes to that stuff?
1: Well, I think, I think when you're young, this is interesting because I've kind of evolved on my thinking on this. I know when I was young, I loved a player's coach, right? Like i had a I had a coach by the name of, of Coach Mike Canales, Some people call him Chico. I mean, he was what I would call a player's coach. I mean, he was always celebrating your wins. When you made a good play in practice, there was a high five and a butt slap, and it just really, like, it, it It felt like it energized me. And then my next offensive coordinator was a guy by the name of Ed Larson, who's the head coach at Lehigh, and dude, I had to fight for a compliment from that dude when I was playing. And now, now I'm really tight with him now, and, and we're really good friends now, but when I was playing for him, it was like I was fighting for my dad's approval. Like, you can't believe. Like, it was like if I got a compliment, I could have ran on that for four months for him. And there was a couple times where he called me out in front of the team. But my best season was under Ed Larson. And it, and it wasn't even close compared to – and, and I had Bobby Petrino as a coach. He wasn't necessarily a player's coach. He was, he was really hard on me. And then I had Dave Arslanian, who was a player's coach. What I would say is the common denominator, or, or or the thing that I think is most most important is the great ones want to be coached. The great ones want to they want to know that not only do do, do you respect my game, but you are going to push me as far as I can go. Because when I look back on my career, my best seasons were with coaches that were that, that weren't necessarily my best friend, and they weren't necessarily players' coaches. But man. I think they showed me love in a different way. They showed me love in a way that they believed in me, and they kept pushing me and kept pushing me and kept pushing me. And I think a lot of those guys that played for Bronco, they really loved, loved him because he pushed them. right? Now, it doesn't mean that if you're a players coach that you can't be somebody that pushes, but you can't be the guy. You know, sometimes players coach get mixed, gets mixed up with um, – kind of these coaches that move the goalposts on you. They're like, well, no, you're doing great, man. We love you, but you never play, right? And so they never give you real feedback. They never give you real stuff. And so if you're going to be a player's coach or if you're going to be a hard-nosed coach, I don't care which one it is, as long as you're consistent in your message and as long as you're truthful in what you're trying to tell the player so that he can get on the field. you got to tell guys the truth. If you don't tell them the truth, That becomes really, really hard when you know it's like Charlie Brown when I can't remember is it Lucy that moves the ball out underneath him when he tries to kick it right. There's coaches like that. There's coaches that are like, no, everything's good, everything's good. Whoop, and then all of a sudden you're falling on your back and you're going, wait, I thought you told me if I did this I would play, right? And so that's something that coaches learn over the years. It's something that players learn over the years. And I think I think you can do both styles. As long as there's truth underlying both of those,
0: is UCLA going to run through Utah the way Oregon State did? Yeah, you know, I,
1: I, the, the Oregon State game was really fascinating for me to watch because that that was an impressive run game from Oregon State. Now I don't their passing game was nice and complimentary, but I I don't think I've seen anybody run the ball like that in the PAC 12 since Utah has been in the PAC 12 like that. That was impressive. Like hard nosed like just, just knock your teeth out type offensive football. And I just have a hard time believing that UCLA is the same way. Now, UCLA I thought when I, and really my reference is the LSU game which is not that impressive of a win now but they are much more physical than they they have been in the past I think there's a level of physicality that's better but they run a little bit different running scheme than than what Oregon State does and I think the running scheme that, that Oregon State, State runs is more difficult for the U than the running game that, that UCLA will use and so I kind of feel like they're not going to be able to run through the Utes like Oregon State did. I think I think you're talking about a really, really tough ball game. I don't know if their quarterback's going to play, and I think that makes a difference because I think, even though his stats aren't like spectacular, he's like 50 or 60 yards running and 250 yards passing. It's still 300 yards of total offense, right? It, 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 I think this is a game that the Utes – Win, but it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight.
2: How do you explain them stumbling inside the five yard line multiple times? Shouldn't you know you got something that you can count on? Yeah,
1: I, I I'll tell you what I'll tell you what's interesting about Kyle this year is, and he said he hasn't said it outright. I've listened to a couple of his interviews, but he's buying into some of this analytics, right? And he's he's definitely gone for it on fourth down more than I've ever seen him, uh, at least that I can remember. And I, I love it slash hate it, right? Like and 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 he's even said like, look, we're we're looking at the analytics now. There's a lot that goes into it. It's not all about analytics, but I I felt like he's been much more aggressive. My question would be, and I don't know what's going on in the background, but uh, I think uh, Coach Ludwig has got to have this figured out now that that coach Winningham is being more aggressive so that he does have a signature play or he does have some sort of like mindset as they get inside the five or inside the 10 yard line that he's probably got four downs Um, and so I I think they've got to get a little bit more of an identity in the red zone there but what I will say is it may have been in the past that he'd been so used to the conservative nature of not going that he was like okay well we'll play for a field goal here and you know you know, I felt like you can't say that, that Utah left 21 points on the board because you don't always get touchdowns when you're doing things. But if you kick field goals, they missed one, and then they had two opportunities on fourth downs. I mean, nine points is is a big deal in that game. And I don't know what the answer is because I, I get nervous about tempting the football gods. If you don't take an easy three points, they're not going to give you seven points when you need it. And – It just makes me nervous. But the analytics is telling everybody to go for it on fourth down. I mean, Kalani's more aggressive. You know, Coach Coach Winningham's more aggressive. I feel like Utah State's been aggressive. Somehow there's an analytic out there that says go for it on fourth down. And I I think that's the way of the future, I guess. But, man, it it feels like they left some points on the board.
0: More likely to win their division, the Utes or the Aggies? (laughs) The Aggies. The Aggies, man, they got a way easier schedule. I mean, dude, you you, you get a little bit of
1: football luck. I mean, they, they probably they probably could have lost that game on Friday night. Colorado State gets, you know, they they get all confused going in for their their last second kick and they they miss wide left. Utah State gets a, a big win. They're five and two, and I I mean I feel like their schedule lightened up considerably right now, and man. I mean, I've even heard. And so, this isn't a criticism of of Coach Anderson because I've heard him say it. He he didn't say it in these words, but it's been a little bit of smoke and mirrors this year for Utah State. I mean, they're not real deep at the D line. They're not deep at linebacker. They've been doing enough to slow teams down. They've been putting up they've been putting up points in an exciting brand of football. I I'm way excited right now about Utah State football, and I know it's not you know it's not like I mean, I don't think there's any chance that they win the Mountain West Conference against San Diego State or Fresno, but they have a real good chance to be in that game right now. And it's just, it's a real compliment to this this coaching staff. They've done a great job. It's an exciting brand of football. I really like watching it. There's local players. There's snow college players. There's out-of-state players. It's just a really good mix of people. And then, you know, I... It's really fun to watch them either on TV or in person and just see how, how great that student section is and how fun it is to be a, a Utah State fan and, and watch that kind of environment go on.
0: Riley, as always, we appreciate it. We will talk to you again next week. I appreciate it, guys.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Joe Ingles is coming up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.